Um, as Paul said, I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit. And um, as our, before our services each week, we meet with all the different teams who serve upstairs to pray. And we kind of talk about what's going on in the different groups and rooms, and we pray for what's going on. And this morning, Paul rather excitedly said, Joe is speaking on the Holy Spirit. And one of the six-year-olds in the room said, yay, I love the Holy Spirit, can I come? And so, you know, there is a, a level of kind of expectation and excitement, which I hope that you are sharing with me today. So this is part of our year of biblical literacy. As a church family, we're spending this year looking at the overall arching story of the Bible, as well as how to understand it better and apply it to our lives. And just before I put my cardigan on the floor, um, I just want to give you a quick heads up. We did um, shampoo the carpet this week, and there are some damp patches. So if you've got a coat or a a Bible on the floor, you might just want to double check around you that it's dry, because most of it is, but just in case. um, Sorry, that's a little heads up we should have given you before. So, year of biblical literacy. Um, Buzz is very kindly being on the slides for me this morning. And many of you have been telling us that as you're reading through the Bible personally, you're really enjoying the challenge and the discipline of kind of reading regularly and discovering new things. Now, if you haven't managed to start reading through bits of the Bible regularly yet, it's never too late to start. And we've got some plans at the back of the room on the Connect desk. Or it might be that you just want to pick a book in the Bible, maybe Luke's book or John's book in the New Testament, and kind of read through those in the run-up to Easter. If you're finding it hard to get started, we're really keen that you don't miss out because there are some credible things in God's book. And so please come and chat to me or chat to your life group leader if you haven't managed to start or if you have started and kind of given up because the going's just got too tough. We're kind of in this together, so let's encourage each other to read the Bible regularly because that's how we discover more about who God is and what he's like. So we've been reading kind of on our own, and as well as that, I know that in different life groups, you're going through what's talked about on Sundays, and um, there are some questions that we give each week. And in fact, this week, one of the life group leaders um, emailed and said, we're having some great conversations in our group, but one thing that we noticed was we thought we were supposed to be kind of tracking with our talks along the line of what we're reading about in our daily readings. And if you started in um, Genesis in January, you'll be kind of around about judges now. And actually, last week, Nigel talked about Jesus, and obviously today I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Have we just given up on the Old Testament? (laughs) Well, the truth is, no, we haven't given up on the Old Testament, you'll be glad to hear. Um, Throughout the year, we have organised some little kind of mini-series um, I think that's quite funny. I, miniseries are things that I used to watch on from American TV when I was supposed to be revising. Anybody else relate to that? But it's not those kind of miniseries, but it's kind of little series about different things through the Bible. So this, um, we've already looked at the reason for the Bible and the challenges we have in reading it and how it was written. And then in this series, we're having a big picture overview of the whole book. And then obviously Easter is coming up. And then after Easter, we're going back into the Old Testament and we're looking at topics such as violence and... Um, sex and judgment and evil, so not to be missed. Um, And then after that, (laughs) we're going to be pushing a bit more into Daniel and Song of Solomon's and Job. So there is more to come from the Old Testament, so do not fear and keep on, if you're reading through, then kind of keep up the good work. Well done. But we just decided when we have opportunities to have great guest speakers, like we had Sam from Open Doors, who was talking about the persecuted church, and then David came um, a couple of weeks ago, and obviously Easter is coming up. We don't just want to keep on wading through um, those different themes if there's something more natural that kind of fits in with what we're doing, where we're going. So that's just to give you a bit of understanding about what that's all about. 
So Nigel gave a great summary of the story so far last week, and I'm not going to repeat that. So if you did miss it, maybe you were serving in kids and youth church. If so, thank you. As a parent and a pastor, thank you. We love you, and we're so grateful for your investment. Or maybe you're away, um, or you had family visiting, and you weren't able to be here. And so if you ever miss a Sunday service, then the talks do go up online. And do, please, see if you can listen into those, because it helps you kind of keep tracking with the rest of us. I know of a family who recently spent um, six weeks away, and they decided that they were going to download the talks when they were away, because they wanted to just kind of keep in track with where the rest of us were as a family for when they came back. And and um, if you struggle with accessing that stuff, I was going to say, come and talk to me. But what I'm going to say is, do talk to the office, because they'll be much better at helping you connect than me. So the big story of God is in five acts. There's a little slide about that. And this week, we are in Act 4, Jesus and the church, looking at the new covenant. Um, that's kind of where we find ourselves. And one of the questions, first of all, that I have been challenged to answer today is, so where is the Holy Spirit in this big story and I have, as I kind of sat down to, to look through that, he's, as you may well know, he's all over it. The Holy Spirit was involved in the big story of God from creation all the way through. And so I've prepared some handouts, which um, Manuel and the guys may well be yeah, going to give out now. Thank you, that'd be kind. And I'm not actually going to run through all of these now. These are for you to take away. Um, the headlines are that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, and then in the Old Testament, as you may well be aware, as you may have read, he came upon particular people at particular times to do particular things. And then he was um, involved kind of with the, the prophets who told people God's stuff. Again, a, a kind of at particular times. And then as we move into the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is all over the birth of Jesus. If you have been to church maybe at Christmas time, you might have heard that passage where it talks about, you know, um, the angel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow, overshadow you. And that's how Jesus was conceived. So the Holy Spirit is, was part of Jesus' conception and then came upon him as he was baptised to prepare him for his ministry. And there's a famous passage in Luke chapter 4, 17. It's where Jesus should, stood up in the temple at the beginning of his public ministry and he read this passage and let's just find that now. So we're in Luke chapter 4, 17. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. And he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. And this is a particularly um, special verse to us as vineyard people. This is kind of one of our core verses from you know, when the vineyard movement began. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And so Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said the Spirit kind of sent him out into the wilderness. There, there was a, a kind of battle of good and evil, if you like, between him and the devil, or well, not if you like it was. And then he came back, not exhausted and drained from that experience, but actually filled with the Spirit to go and live out what he had, had spoken about. He showed people through his words and through his actions that God is close by, that God wants to have relationship with us, and not just that, that he wants to partner with us to bring about his wonderful plans on the earth. 
And if you think back about the big story of God that we've been thinking about over several weeks, that's always been God's plan. When at this time of creation, we know the story about Adam and Eve, and God created them to have relationship with them. And he said that they needed to go and to fill the garden and to rule over it. That was the plan then. But of course, as we know, Adam and Eve messed up. And so then God chose Abraham and the Israelite nation because his big plan was to bring about his rule and his reign through that people. And yet, as we're discovering, especially if you're reading through kind of Joshua and Judges, they made some really bad decisions. It's not criticism. We may well have done the same. But they walked away from God. And so that's why the rescue plan had to be put into action, that Jesus was sent. He was sent as a man, but he lived a perfect life with God's power. And then, as we know the story and we celebrate this at Easter time, he was murdered, he was crucified. Not because he'd done anything wrong, but because people didn't like what he was saying and doing. But of course, that isn't the end of the story because after being dead for three days, he was raised from the dead and he came back and spoke to his disciples. Now, that's a summary of the Holy Spirit's work kind of so far in the story. But you know, before Jesus died and then when he came back and spoke to his disciples, he actually told them about what was going on. This news wasn't news to them. It wasn't a mystery to them that this was happening, but maybe they didn't quite understand how it was going to be. Because he said to them, and you can read this in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, look, I've got to go, but when I go, the Father, that's God, is going to send you a gift. And this gift is going to be an advocate, a helper, a friend, an encourager. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's my representative. He's going to teach you and remind you about everything that I've told you. Because, because I want you to join me on my mission. And that's really what today is about. This is what the big part of the story and where we fit into it is about. Because God is on a mission. God's on a mission and he invites us all to be part of it. And we all have a part to play in the family business. So Jesus came as a visible representation of the invisible God. If you like, he was kind of God with skin on. And he lived his life and he did the things he did so people could see, oh wow, so that's what God's like. But of course, Jesus had to go. Jesus was here and very present and, he, and we know we've looked at, he's a historical figure, he was a real man, he came, we can read about the things he did. But he could only be in one place at one time and he had to go. But when he went, Jesus said that I'm going to send, or Father's going to send you the Spirit who is going to fill you and empower you so that you can carry on what I have been doing. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, he said to his disciples, and he breathed on them. And that sending is to be on mission. It's lovely to gather together as church, isn't it, in, on a Sunday or in small groups, but this is not why he calls us into friendship and relationship. He calls us to join him out and about. And you may say, well, hang on a minute. It's one thing to read about the big story of God. I'm finding all this sermon series very interesting. It's fascinating to hear about the different cultural references. But actually, it's quite a different thing to be part of the big story of God. And you're right, it really is a, big, a different thing. 
It's like the difference between watching a detective story like Sherlock or Murder, She Wrote, sitting on, the sitting on the sofa, having a cup of tea, eating your box of Maltesers. The difference between doing that and actually maybe going to an escape room. Has anyone ever done that? They have these escape rooms now. So you have a room and it's set up inside. There's loads of different clues. There's a big picture of it there. And you have to solve a mystery. And they lock you in and the clock is ticking. And you only usually have an hour to work out who did it and how did they do it and what happened and where's the diamonds and all those different things. And we've um, had a, a chance to do this. And there's the adrenaline's buzzing and you're kind of trying to work out, well, how do, how, what does this key unlock? And oh, there's a clue in here and can you sort out the code? And that's much more exciting than watching telly as much fun as Sherlock is and as clever as he is. And that's kind of what we're invited into, not to solve a mystery, but we're invited to be active participants, to be people who are part of this story. God's intention isn't that we just sit and watch other people do it. It's that we have the fun of partnering with him and get stuck in ourselves. And Jesus was really clear about this. In Matthew 28, he said to the disciples, go and make disciples, or a word that we've used around here is apprentices, of the nations, and that means help people to learn about me, to believe in me, and to obey my words. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you, lo, I love that, lo, I'm with you always, remaining with you perpetually, it says in the Amplified Version. In fact, you have got this on page two of your handout, about halfway down. I'm re remaining with you perpetually, regardless of your circumstances, and on every occasion, even till the end of the age. So Jesus said, your job is to go, but also, he said, before you go, you need to wait around because I'm going to give you power to do what I've called you to do. Because I don't know about you, but if I read that kind of job description, if I read what we're supposed to do, I say, well, look, I'm just human. I just said the other week, the other week we're only human after all. And God says, well, yes, I know that, but I'm God, and I'm going to give you the resources that you need, and I'm going to empower you so that you can go and do it too. And so today, we're going to be reading from Acts. We're going to look into Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read about when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. So you might want to turn in your Bibles or on your phone. And we're going to start in verse 1. So on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our native tongues. And then they talk about all the different places they've come from. And in each language, they could hear people speaking about the wonderful things God had done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then in verse 14, Paul, who was just, sorry, Peter, I beg your pardon, Peter, who was a fisherman who'd been with Jesus, who wasn't a highly qualified or educated or trained fella, stood up and spoke to the people there very eloquently. And actually, he unpacked the big story of God. It says that earlier on that these were Jews, so they knew about their own history. And he highlighted them and showed them where Jesus fitted into this. And if we go to verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. 
And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away. All have been called by the Lord our God. And Peter continued preaching for a long time. And then it goes on and says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. I don't know about you, but that slightly blows my mind. There's probably about 180, maybe 200 of us here. <laughs> and three, what if 3,000 people turned up next Sunday? That'd be a bit of a squeeze. Yeah, well, we'll be ready. <laughs> That's a lot more coffee and a lot more welcoming and smiley faces on the door, isn't it? But hey, yes, please. And so Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit being poured out, not just so that the disciples could have a great experience, not just so they could feel loved and warm and peaceful, but so they could go and do and participate in the mission of God. You know, sometimes um, one of my, my son, JJ, the other day said, you know, in Pentecost, I'd love to see those flames of fire coming down on people's heads. And there was that, that picture. I love this picture. There's a few people in the middle who just look like this is the most normal thing that ever happens, don't they? And then people around the edges who are looking like, mm, can I get out of here? What's going on? But it would have been a dramatic moment. There was a wind. There, was fl- there were flames of fire. And why would we not expect that when God comes, sometimes he does dramatic things? And yet he came for a purpose. He came to meet his terrified people. Those who, maybe some of them had given up hope and were just wondering what on earth was going on. And yet he came to fill them and empower them to go. And when he came, when the Spirit came, the believers were filled. They were given new languages. They were given new boldness. And they were given new power to take part in God's story. And the early church did this in a couple of ways. As you carry on reading through the book, we'll see that they lived lives like Jesus. So they were generous. In fact, it does say that in um, verse 42, Acts 2.42, there was joy and generosity when they got together. But we know from the other things that happened, from other stories that we're told, that there was endurance that happened, that there was peace in times of turbulence and trial. They lived lives like Jesus. But also... The Holy Spirit came to empower them to do other things, supernatural things. Super means above and beyond. So he empowered them to do things that they couldn't do in their own strength. And this is the same mandate for us. You know, last year we talked about being apprentices to Jesus, didn't we? We're people who want to be with Jesus, want to be people who are like Jesus, and people who do the things that Jesus did. And that is kind of our job description as his followers, as his apprentices. And so I've got a question for you today. If you've chosen to give your yes to Jesus, if you've said, yes, I am your apprentice, you know, we sang that song, didn't we? I have decided to follow Jesus. Well, if that's you, then let's just take a moment and I'd love you to think, what does it look like for Jesus in you to impact the place where you are? What does it look like for Jesus to be doing the things that he does around you in your workplace or in your family? in your marriage, in your community. Jesus is always doing something that he's chosen to partner with us. So let's just take a moment to pause. What does that look like around you?
because God's chosen to come and change the world through us. He wants to work through us with his healing power. He wants to give us insights into our friends and colleagues and neighbours that we couldn't otherwise know, not just so we know something about them and we can hold it against them, but because he wants to bring joy and freedom and peace to their lives. He wants to give us to solutions to the big problems around us, wherever you live. If the problem is transport, then God has an answer for that. If the problem is self-harming or the problem is loneliness, then he has answers in the places that he's put us. And he's chosen to limit himself to work through us. So if we don't show up and bring those solutions and do those things, then who's going to do it? It may well be that you are the only person who's following Jesus that your friends and neighbours know, or that I am too. And he wants to give us those creative gifts to bring back beauty in places of brokenness and leadership gifts that help organisations out of debt and into flourishing, and pastoral gifts so that the kids in our schools aren't isolated but feel loved and know they have a purpose and a destiny. And this is what partnering with God looks like. And we've talked for a long time about being scattered servants, haven't we, about bringing Jesus' hope and life wherever we go. And just as I kind of move into this next part of the talk, what I wanted us to do is just to have a bit of a reality check And I'm really cautious because I don't want this to be a downer. I don't want there to be a feeling of of shame or embarrassment or awkwardness. But if we say this is what we're trying to do, if we say this is our mandate, then it's really good every now and again to pause and say, well, okay, well, what's business and how's business going? And the question is, what difference does it actually make in mine and in your everyday, ordinary lives? Are we actually partnering with God to see people get healed? Are we hearing God's solutions and insights for people and sharing those so that their lives get changed around us? Are we offering God's solutions in our workplaces and families? And maybe you can say a wholehearted, yes, I am. And if that's the case, that's wonderful because I know there are those amongst us who are actively pushing into this. And when I talk to many of you, there are regular stories that come up where you say, actually, this week I had the opportunity to pray for a neighbour, and this week I had the opportunity, but I bottled it, but actually next time I really am going to go for it, or I felt like God said this, and I found a way to share it. And that's wonderful. Bless you. Thank you. Well done. And there are some of us who, if we're really honest about it, would say, well, no, because I've heard about scattered servants a lot, and I think it's a great idea, but it's not something that I really think of once I've left here on a Sunday morning. It doesn't really make very much difference in my everyday life. And if that's you, thank you so much for being honest. And I'd just like to tell you a little bit about my story. So obviously we are a vineyard church, and one of the main reasons I love this movement is I've met lots of people in it who are on an adventure with God, who see him do incredible things. And you know, when I signed up to be part of the vineyard movement, I just thought I'm in for that. I just want to be close enough to this awesome and powerful and incredible God so that I can see him doing what he's doing and maybe even be a part of it. And that's what drew me in. And I used to work for the council um, in Birmingham and when I did, um, I didn't know how to put that into practice. And so my way of expressing my faith in Jesus was to try and be a good employee and a good boss, to be honest with my dealings, not to gossip and to work hard. And all of those are really good things. Those are some of the character of Jesus coming through us as we do those things. But I didn't know how to bridge the gap between praying for people on a Sunday and actually taking that into the rest of my life. And then I became a vineyard pastor. And I was in a room one time and somebody said, you know, the elephant in the room with vineyard pastors is that we talk about this stuff a lot. 
And secretly, we do long to see God do more. But actually, a lot of us aren't actually seeing it. We share a story that we've heard from Robbie Dawkins or from over from Bethel or from our very holy friend who goes and prays for people, but we don't actually have our own life stories. And I just got increasingly dissatisfied. I got really fed up with it, to be honest. And I was praying and saying, God, I'm sick of this. Please, can you change this? And I came to the conclusion that the only person who really, really could change this was me. Because God does partner with us, but he doesn't use us kind of outside of our free will. If he's got a word of message that he wants to give somebody, he's not going to force my mouth open and make the words come out of it. I actually have to go to my friend or to my neighbour and I have to open my mouth and start a conversation and say something. And that is an awkward and difficult and painful reality because it'd be much easier, wouldn't it, if the Holy Spirit came and touched us and then we just felt compelled to go and floated off and it all bubbled out. And maybe that is your experience, in which case, come and pray for me after because I'd love that. But (laughs) it doesn't work like that for me. And so what I've had to do is I've had to try and do some hard work. I've had to try and work out the things that stop me living this life. And I've had to try and put some things in place to push myself to do it. And I was just going to share some of those things with you. But before I do, I suppose a question that you might want to ask, maybe in pairs just for a moment, is so what is it that stops us from partnering with God more? Why don't you just turn for a minute? And if you think you partner with God really well all the time, then just say, what might stop me doing it? Okay. Does anybody want to shout out anything? What is it that stops, I'm not going to say you, what is it that stops me from partnering with God more? Can anyone got any suggestions? Chris knows me. What's it going to be, Chris? <laughs> not looking weird. Yeah, okay, great. So we don't want to look weird. That's, yeah, that's true. Anybody else? Sin. Sin, yeah, the stuff that gets between us and God, that stops us connecting with God, you're right, and partnering with him. Anything else? Fear, Fear thank you. Yeah, that's a hot potato. Anything else? British. We're British, what does that mean? <laughs> we're closed. We're closed, okay, great. So it might be something to do with our culture or kind of how we're wired. Anything else? Don't want to get it wrong, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Lack of a sense of urgency, yeah. Self-belief, okay, we're not sure that we can actually do it. Oh my goodness, you've got many more things than I came up with. Okay. <laughs> oh dear, is this going to be all right? No, it is, it's okay, it's going to be all right, I promise. We're going to get through this. So thank you for being real and thinking about those things, the things that get in the way of us actually acting out the mission of God and doing what we kind of sing and say that we want to do. And I just came up with five and you've come up with some more things and so let's talk about those other ones next week. But the things that I came up with... <laughs> Because the truth is, these are barriers, these are things that are in the way, but if God wants us to do this thing, he's going to help us get there, isn't he? Yes, that's good, fantastic, that's the right answer. So, the first thing that I came up with was that God has chosen to change the world through us, what is it that stops us? So if you can flick onto that one, that's lovely. So the first one is we aren't being filled with his spirit. So kind of sin kind of comes into that, I suppose. Quick summary of this, and Paul's going to talk some more about this, I think, next week. That if you have chosen to follow Jesus, if you have given your yes to him, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives in you. We just have to kind of let him out. It may be that today you're on your journey with God and you haven't made that decision, and that's okay. You're so welcome to be here. And if you'd like to choose to follow Jesus, then we'd love to pray for you to do that. 
But the Bible talks about us being filled with the Spirit, not just once, but actually that we have to go on being filled. And if we want that vital connection with him, we do have to take time to keep on receiving his power and his boldness and keep on connecting with him. So that's something we can pray at the end of the service about that. The second thing is that I found is that I sometimes just don't know what to do. We, don't, we have a lack of experience about, well, how do we actually pray for somebody? If someone's sick, if someone's got a broken leg or a bad arm or a chest cold, what do I do? How do I do this thing? And the good news is we can learn. There are very practical things we can do to help people feel comfortable and not, weird, not that it's weird and that we are just um, being natural in order to pray for them or connect with them or connect them with God. And... You know, my journey has been that I have just found people who are the next stage on, who do this better than me, and said, please, can I come with you? So when people are praying for people, I say, okay, so can, can I just come and watch what you're doing? And then afterwards, I say, please, could you just tell me what happened there? And you know, I was at a meeting a, a while ago, and someone was praying, and something went on with them. I thought, I have no idea what to do in this situation. So I just called over a friend, and I said, can you just come? I've got no clue. What do you think is going on? And so we were able to pray for a lady there. And afterwards, we did a little debrief, and we spoke to the lady, and we said, what was happening for you? What was God doing? And you know, could we have supported you in that encounter with God better, better or differently? You know, we have the opportunity, um, and I'm not going to say that, sorry. So there are people who we know who are better at this than we are. And if we want to get better, then why don't we just go and ask them how they do it and what they do and learn. And that's what the Scatter Servants training is about next week. Because, you know, on Sunday mornings, at the end of the service, we often say, if you'd like to kind of receive prayer, then come forward. And if you're one of our groups, then come forward and pray for you. And often, we don't have enough people to pray And I'm not quite sure why that is, because I know that you are kind people. I know that you love people. I know that you care deeply about what's going on with the people in our church family, because I know you. And so I kind of maybe wonder, well, is it that you just don't know how to pray for people? And if you don't, there is absolutely no shame in that. If you don't, I'm really sorry, because I should have told you. (laughs) I should have helped you learn. And so if you want to come and learn to pray for people, I would love to show you or help you find someone who can show you. And really practically, that's what the training is about next Saturday, in a fortnight on Saturday morning. We're going to learn how to pray for people. We're going to learn how to start conversations with people in a non-weird way. And we're going to learn how to hear from God and be able to share that with other people. Because this thing that we do on a Sunday morning after the service is not like the pinnacle of what it is. This is us practicing so that we can go and help people who don't get into the church building encounter with God wherever encounter God wherever we meet them. So if you don't know how to do it, please don't feel that that's a barrier and feel like you should because I've been a Christian such a long time and I really should know what to do, but actually I don't. If you don't know how to do it, just come and find out. The other thing about this scatter servants training is that the folk who are who are kind of leading that and teaching that are not experts. You know, my friend David, who you saw that little clip of. He actually spoke to me on the phone and he said, I feel, if I'm honest, a bit of a fraud about this because I said, it's okay, I know you're not Robbie Dawkins. You know, because there are some people who are just incredible at this, aren't they? Wherever they go, people are healed supernaturally, there's people coming to know Jesus, there's all kinds of power stuff going on. And yes, we long to see God move in power around us. But the purpose of this is not that we all become 
street evangelists, or we'll give up our jobs and go and do this stuff. That's not the purpose. The purpose is that we need to know how to help our friend or our neighbour or our old auntie or whoever it is we bump into connect with God in their situation. And to be honest, Robbie Dawkins, wonderful man that he is, might actually terrify my auntie. But she knows me, and so I perhaps could help her connect with Jesus in a way that maybe he just wouldn't, well, he's not here, so he wouldn't have the opportunity to do. Okay, so let's keep on moving through. Another thing is a lack of expectation. Sometimes we think, well, why would God use me? Well, let's get rid of that one. He would use you because you're the one who's there. There's nobody there. If you're not there, he can't use you. And if there's nobody else there, you're the only one he's got. So in the nicest possible way, he is going to use you and he's because he's desperate to share his love and his power and his life with those people who don't know him yet. Another thing for me is that sometimes I am just too busy. Life is so full. You know, I have lots of meetings in my diary. I have lots of different things to do. And it's very hard sometimes to be interrupted. And what I've found is, it sounds silly, but I actually have to write in my diary, time to be interrupted. And I put it in my diary, um, usually about once a week at the moment, just to go and have a wander around and work out, God, is there anywhere particular that you want me to be? And that sounds a bit kind of forced, doesn't it? But I've found that the times that I do make space... God sometimes gives me an opportunity to do or say something with somebody around me. And it happens more times than when I don't put it in my diary. So perhaps find a way that you can be interruptible. And then the last one, somebody mentioned it over here. Why don't we do this? Well, because of fear. What if I get it wrong and say something stupid? What if nothing happens? What if something happens? I don't know how to respond to it. What if I offend someone? What on earth are people going to think of me? Well, my question really is, so what if you do get it wrong? A friend of mine often says, what's the worst that could happen? Have you offered to pray for your neighbour who'd just fallen over and had a bad hip? And your neighbour just said, well, no, thank you, I don't believe in that rubbish. What's really the worst that could happen? Maybe some missing in that relationship that you're going to have to go back and kind of patch up. But actually, my experience has been that if I offer to pray for people, it's quite unusual for them to be horrible and shout and say no. That occasionally happens, but not usually with people you know. But my experience is usually people are just really grateful that you cared enough to ask. And actually, if they don't know Jesus yet, they weren't really expecting that anything was going to change anyway when you prayed for them. So if it does, that's an absolute bonus. So I've got a friend, um, and she's got a bad knee, and I offered to pray for her last week. And, do you know, I prayed for her knee, and she didn't notice any change at all. But when I'd offered to pray, her face changed. She was delighted that I had just cared. <laughs> and so I saw her again this week, and I said, how are your knee? She said, I've fallen over again, and I've really damaged it this time. So I said, oh, can I pray? And I said, um, you know, out of, if the pain was from naught to 10, and naught's kind of nothing, and 10 is the worst, what would it be? And she said, oh, it's a seven. And I said, I'm so sorry. So I looked her in the eye and I said, you know, Jesus really loves you. And I invited the Holy Spirit to come. And I spoke to the pain in her knee and I told it to go. And at the end I said, and so how's your knee? And she said, oh, probably a six. And I thought, maybe you're just being kind to me. But actually, once again, her face had lit up. Because it matters to her that I care enough that I offer. And actually, the responsibility for what happens is not down to me. It's the Holy Spirit. And I want to get better. 
I really want to pray for knees that are sevens and see them go down to naught straight away because that's available. We see that happening. I really want to pray, like Paul was saying today, for dead people to stand up and walk around. You know, there's incredible stories of that happening in other parts of the world and I haven't seen that yet. And so we can get better and we'll talk about that another time, about how we push into this some more. But what is the worst that can happen? really big thing for me is about reputation because actually I care a lot about what people think you know when um, I know that in our workplaces sometimes it's not always appropriate to talk about Jesus if you're in a conference meeting then it's not the, the time to kind of to do that but there are times and spaces and places amongst people who we know and who people who we interact with every day who we can share Jesus with and we can offer to pray for but that's a high cost isn't it it's a high cost because they know us and what are they going to think about us? And on one level, there's no easy answer to that because the truth is that our walk with Jesus is about us laying down our lives and picking up our cross and he never promised it was all going to be easy and it was all going to work out well. And if I just tell you a little story about me, so I was in one of my work environments. I was with um, about 200 other vineyard leaders earlier in the year and I was invited to um, be part of a, a team who were sharing prophetic words, um, words of you know, things that we felt like God had said for particular people. And I um, was practicing this, and I was invited to do this thing, and I was kind of excited, and I prayed, and I really felt that God gave me a particular thing to say. It was a date. And the other people on the stage around me were all kind of giving their different words, and people were kind of responding, and yeah, thanks very much. And then I stood forward with the mic, and I said, and this is the date I've got. And you know, I completely bombed. <laughs> Nobody responded. And you might go, oh, well, you know, they're all Christian people, you know, why would they care? But it meant a lot to me because those people are my bosses. And those people in that room, some of them I lead. And it cost me a lot. And I stood there on the outside, I was like, oh, well, never, never mind. On the inside, I was just like, God, you have to open up this stage and let me fall through it because I am dying. <laughs> and in fact, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, oh, it's really great you had a go, but do you think you could get some more really prophetic people up next time who actually get it right? <laughs> and I was just, just, just kill me now, just kill me now. But you know, it was so interesting because afterwards, God in his kindness allowed me to have a conversation with somebody who said, I just didn't have the guts to say anything, but that date meant something to me. And you know, I went to God and I said, why did you do that? That's so unfair. <laughs> That's so unfair, I got that right. I wanted everybody to see, because they would have gone, oh, look at Jo, she's like, isn't she, she got a date from somebody that's completely accurate, isn't that amazing? And he just said to me, Jo, what is the most important thing here? You didn't sign up so that people would think that you look great. You signed up so that people would think that I look great. And in his kindness, he didn't have to show me that that date was important, but he did that to show me, actually, yes, sometimes you do get it right, you do hear from me. But the point about this is not your reputation. The point about this is his reputation. And so together, we are called to continue the mission of God, the things that Jesus did. And to be honest... It's the hardest thing, I think, that I've ever done to keep putting myself out there, to keep risking each time. And yet it's the most incredible thing that I've ever done 
Because when you have those moments when heaven touches earth, maybe you've known this, those moments when someone comes to you and says, oh, I don't know if I've got it right, but I feel like God might be saying this. And actually it completely confirms what it is that he said to you. And you go, there is a God in heaven who loves me. And I was just on the edge of wondering whether that was true. And what you've said to me has made all the difference. When you have those moments, then it's worth it all. Because the ultimate thing is not about us. The Holy Spirit came, he filled the disciples, he fills us so that we can go and help other people encounter Jesus and know his love and his kindness and his transforming power. And that's what we're about. So, the question really is, what's the next step for each of us? It might be that you are really confident in this area, that you're praying for people really regularly, and it might be that God's saying, just look around and see who wants to grow. Why don't you take them under your wing and help them? It might be that you are struggling with one of those things that I have just highlighted or some of the other things that were shouted out. And the step for you is working out what is it that's getting in the way and stopping me and actually what am I going to do about that? Do I need to pray? Do I need to ask somebody to help me? What do I need to do just to take a step closer in towards partnering with God more. I think that's enough. So why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray. I mean, it's 12 o'clock, and if you have kids in a moment, I would love it if you would go and just honour our teams and thank them for what they're doing. But please do feel free to come back and bring your kids back. You know, like that little kid this morning said, I love the Holy Spirit, can I come? So do bring the kids back in if you'd like to. And dear Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for your presence with us here. Thank you for the invitation to be on mission with you, to partner with you, to see your kingdom come and your stuff happen. And you, God, you know that for some of us, this is a battle and a struggle and there are things that get in the way. So we ask for clarity around those and help us take the next step. And let's pause just in the quiet and why don't you see what that next step might be for you, just really personal for you.